welcome to the Hadassah Collective podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marinan. The Hadassah Collective is a unique wellness-centered community created in and inspired by India, the birthplace of holistic health disciplines. The Hadassah Collective podcast brings together a carefully curated selection of my most trusted and inspiring innovators from every area of the health and wellness space. I invite my guests to freely share their gifts, their wisdom, their journeys, and their diverse points of view, discussing a vast range of topics, including shutdown and self-isolation strategies, integrated diet and fitness, yogic science, modern mental health, and holistic lifestyle, all to inspire you with relatable tools to help you consciously customize, support, and expand your life. In today's episode, I have the honor and privilege of talking to Dr. Dale Sides, an expert in Christological astronomy. Christological astronomy is the science of discerning and interpreting God's first witness in the heavens. Dr. Dale has written several books on the topic of Christological astronomy, and we will be discussing his latest publication, Discover Your Destiny, Through the Ancient Secrets of the Magi and Quantum Physics. In this episode, we discuss the science and the technologies used in the field of Christological astronomy, and we also discuss some of the retrogrades we've been experiencing this year, and some of the important planetary shifts and alignments that we are yet to experience this year. So there's a lot of information in this episode, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Welcome, Dr. Dale Sides, to the Hadassah Collective. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with me today. Thank you for joining me. I'm so happy to be with you, Claire. I've really enjoyed spending the time with you in our class that we've been taking on astronomy, and it's exciting to be able to do this with you. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes, you're most welcome. It's a, it's a real honor to be able to, to have this conversation with you. So today we're going to be talking about um, Christological astronomy and also your incredible new book, Discover Your Destiny. And um, so let's just start with giving our listeners a brief overview of um, who you are, what you do, what is Christological astronomy, and um, you know how you sort of found yourself on this path. First of all, um, my name is Dale Sides, Dr. Dale Sides, and uh, I'm branded with Dr. Dale, that's what people call me. Uh, I've been in the ministry for almost 50 years. I'm 71 years old. I'm uh, wow. married to a very, very lovely and wonderfully holy woman and have four beautiful daughters and I think s- five or six grandkids. Depends upon how you count them <laughs> when they arrive. Um, I've been involved in the ministry. I'm a, much more of a teacher and a pioneer than I am a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I um, have enjoyed my research through the years in, in uh, biblical texts and uh, related matters. Uh, I got involved in um, biblical astronomy when I was back in college, right after Noah got off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I found uh, E.W. Bullinger's book, Witness of the Stars. And it, um, I think we all, if we've ever sat outside on a hillside somewhere, we all have had experiences where the heavens sort of witnessed to us or we felt it in our, in our subconscious. Yeah. And um, I wanted to learn how to read that language. And so uh, 
I went to Bible college, and after I got married, my wife Vicki and I moved to Wyoming, which is way out west, and uh, the skies there are crystal clear. Mm. And I, for three years, I identified constellations. This is before we had smartphones and iPhones and apps, so I had to do it with, uh, you know, with a planisphere. And uh, but, um, and so, but I, I sort of lost touch with it for a while and was doing other things. And then, I guess about maybe ten years or so ago, um, the Lord spoke to me and told me to dust off my star books, and He was going to give me a new weapon. And he actually said he was going to give me a new weapon to take to India. And so that's why I've been really excited to, uh, at that time, I had no idea that astrology was the underbelly of the beast of Hinduism. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. But the the Lord led me to India and led me into this subject apostolically. um, And it's been so exciting. It's really been exciting. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting... Um, topic, and I think that it's um, it's very much overlooked, I think, as well, in, in a way. And um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what the difference is between Christological astronomy and astrology in terms of, I mean, for me, I think that it's, it's a completely different lens and a completely different way of viewing the heavens and the stars and the planetary movements. Um, but it's, you know, some of the terminology is similar, but it's actually a completely different lens of, of being able to read, read what is going on well, there. Very simply, Christological astronomy is a science, mm-hmm. and astrology is not. Astrology is a pretended art. There's no science in it at all. Um, they, astrology um, doesn't have a connection to all of the constellations in the heavens, but Christological astronomy does. Mm-hmm. It shows the uh, the red thread that ties the heavens together, and it reveals the revelation of the coming of the Messiah, and also reveals to us, according to our birth skies, mm-hmm. um, reveals to us the characteristics of the Messiah that we've been called to replicate. Mm. And um, this is what we're going to talk about today and the premise of my new book of Discover Your Destiny, how you know that, how I know that. Yeah. Which we're going to talk yeah. about that here in just a moment. But um, astrology is, is, is um, as I've said, it's a pretended art. And the bigger lie you can tell, the more money you can make with them generally. And, um, but when we start talking about Christological astronomy, we're looking at Christ astronomically. I mean, you know, and, and according, to the, according to the way it really, really is. I really don't have a problem with the word astrology. Mm-hmm. Actually, I wish we could reclaim it because it's the study, you know, astro, astrology is the study of the stars, but the root word of astrology is astrologos. Mm-hmm. The root word of ology is logos, and the astrologos is what astro, astrology has been covering over in the pretended art. Mm. And the, but the astrologos is, is Messiah. And he was called Messiah by the, by the Hebrews. And he was called 
Christus by the Greeks, and he was called Krishna by the Indians, and he was called the elect of God in the book of Enoch before any of them knew his identity. Mm. So, but the heavens are all about the coming of the Messiah, and when you realize this, um, then you can begin understanding what, how, what God has called you to be and to do. And here, again, there's another major tenet of difference, Claire, and that is astrology tells you that's the way it is. There's nothing you can do about it. But that's not true. And what Christological astronomy tells us is that God has given us gifts and abilities and through reading the heavens uh, on our birthday, we realize what they are. Mm. But we have the freedom of will to um, develop those abilities uh, according to our choice yeah. and, our, and our obedience to him. So there's, there's some major fundamental differences. The one thing that is common is that, and, and this is just, the lie, how the lie has been perverted in astrology, and that is the date of your birth is very significant and very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the information, how it's interpreted, is what we're talking about here in astrology. And I think that we all have become knowledgeable that for a lie to be a good lie, it's got to have a little bit of truth in it, right? And that's what makes a really good lie. And, and I'll tell you what, the devil, if you ever had to pay him a compliment, it would be he is a profoundly great liar. Mm-hmm. He, he is. is. And, and he's a master, master at it. So, um, so there, there's your response to that. <laughs> and can you speak to some of the science behind Christological astronomy? Because I know that it is very in-depth and and detailed, but can we get a brief overview on the science behind it and the naming of the star names and and those sorts of things that I find quite fascinating? Well, the premise of Christological astronomy is that God wrote the heavens, okay? Mm -hmm. And he named the stars according to Psalm 147.4 and Isaiah 40.26, those verses. And he also gave the pictures of of the constellations. Now, when you go back into antiquity uh, and you start doing research into astronomy, you find out there was originally 48 constellations. Uh, that goes all the way back into the Babylonian uh, Babylonian lore. Um, even though you see it's astrology, it still documents that there were 48 constellations. And so, um, but the science behind this is dividing the constellations into their proper groupings and how to interpret and how to read them. Now, Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day into day they utter speech. Yeah. Night into night they show knowledge. There is no language under heaven where their voice is not heard. Now, if it's a voice, it's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Because it's his word, right? And then it says, their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. That's 19.4, Psalm 19.4. 
in them in the heavens, he set a tabernacle for the sun, the S-U-N. And the key to reading the heavens is the trek that the sun uh, that, that we see when we orbit around the sun yearly. It makes a line in the heavens. Mm-hmm. It's called the ecliptic path, yeah. Um, yeah. astronomically. And it intersects 12 constellations, and those 12 constellations all depict the storyline of the coming of the Messiah. And so the way it simply is read, and this is very scientific, but if you ask an astrologer, what's the connection between Virgo and Libra, or Virgo and Leo, they, they wouldn't have an idea, they don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. But you see, because the message that ties it together is the Messiah. Now let me show you, I'll take you on a little, a little lap through the 12 of them. <clears throat> Virgo is the promised seed of the woman. That would be the beginning of where you would start reading it according to Messiah. Mm-hmm. Now, astrology starts in Aries. And the reason they do is because that's where the spring equinox was when mankind was created. And I have no idea why they did that, but they did it. And so I don't care. But Christologically, we start at Virgo, and then after Virgo comes Libra, the scales, and that shows that the promised seed would be a price to be paid for redemption, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the next constellation figure is Scorpio, and this shows that this Messiah, that would be a price to be paid, would be wounded from the sting of the scorpion while he was wrestling a serpent, that he came to get, be a sacrifice but to free us from the clutches of sin and the devil. The next constellation is Sagittarius, and that is the picture of a, a horseman shooting an arrow at the scorpion, and this, de- and this depicts Christ's uh, retribution against Satan as he descended into hell and rescued the spirits of the, of the imprisoned people in Abraham's bosom um, after the price for redemption had been paid. So that's the first third of the heavens. The second third goes from Capricorn to Aries, and it shows what Christ came to make available. The first one is the scapegoat Capricorn, and it has a, it was a, it's a dying goat in the first half of the constellation and a living fish in the back half, and that shows the dying of the goat, but the raising up of the fish, that is the first symbol of the resurrection. And Capricorn, I've got a great teaching on my, I do have a YouTube channel called Christological Astronomy. Yeah. yeah. And I've got, a, I've got a great teaching on Capricorn being the ensign or the sign of the resurrection. So by reading the heavens, we can tell who the mystery man is or who the Messiah is. That's the great enigma that is to be solved by the study of it. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, uh, the next one is Aquarius shows that once he was raised from the dead, he ascended up into heaven. And then Aquarius is pouring out the water urn, and that shows the pouring out of the Holy Spirit into the mouth of the fish. And then that, again, relates to the fish of Pisces, which shows the spirit-filled believers can bind the devil. And then on the Aries, that his feet are over Cetus, the sea monster, and shows that Aries gives us the complete package of what Christ came to avail to us, and that is to reign in life, to have the devil under our foot and the crown of glory on our head. 
And then the last four prophesies and tells of Christ's second coming. Taurus the bull shows he's coming back in judgment. Gemini is the male is a male and female uh, in some zodiacs, and that shows he's coming back in judgment, and he's bringing his bride. The bride's going to rule with Christ on the earth for a thousand years is the deal. And then in Cancer, it shows it's really a cattle fold, and it shows the inheritance that we have of eternal life and life in the on the earth with Christ for a thousand years as we're faithful. And then Leo, the last one, shows Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and reigning on the earth for a thousand years. So that's how it's all tied together, and it's very scientific. And each of the constellations in the heavens have a different length as far as the circle that they, they encompass. Yeah. And yeah. astrology makes them all 30 degrees, and that's just totally wrong because they don't fit within a 30-degree frame. They don't fit. Even the stars within the constellations don't fit within 30 degrees. And it, some of them are, are smaller than 30. So, But that's part of the science behind it, uh, Claire. And um, we have an amazing uh, astronomer and um, mathematician yeah. that has created our computer program, which is uh, you can access it at lmci.org. Yeah. Is our computer, yeah. is, our, is our website. And, um, but on the back side of our website is where this computer program is, and it uh, is being touted by the scientific community as uh, the most accurate astronomy program as far as locating the planets at any time uh, of any program in the world. Yeah. And one of the reasons is, and you asked me this about the scientific uh, portion of this, is our program factors in precession. Yeah. And precession of the equinoxes is another astronomical movement that astrologers have no clue about. But because of this, the heavens have shifted mm. a 31.9 degrees since the astrology tables were written. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be critical of anyone that has practiced or been involved in astrology. That's the best you've had to know so far. And I know that there's a witness in the heavens that um, that comes to us and they've wanted to know what it is and so maybe they've looked at astrology but that astrology that's operated today is really divination mm-hmm. and rather than astrology it should be astro divination because they use the heavens much the same as they do tarot cards or pendulums or tea leaves or um, Ouija boards, it's a divination to try to get a, to try to divine a message out of what's written there. And um, the actual, the word of God in the heavens is a divine word, mm-hmm. but it's God's prophetic word of who you can become mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the way that he created you to be. And what Christ-like qualities you're here to embody. Right, right. So... In my new book that I just sent to you, Claire, Discover Your Destiny, yeah. and I've got, I've probably got five or six books I've done on astronomy. Yeah. Uh, they're all yeah. available on my website, which is lmci.org. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're all available there, but the newest one I've done is called Discover Your Destiny. There's a, there it is. Yeah. But it's yeah. a, it's an e-book, and um, 
I may get it printed. I may not. It depends upon the demand of it. Um, but it took me about five years to write this book, maybe, maybe four. But the reason being is because I wrote it uh, three different times. And, uh, in, and uh, each time I wrote it, um, the times I wrote it, I didn't like the way it was because what I really wanted to do was I wanted to write this for people that were not born, that were not in relationship with Christ. Mm. We're not Christ followers. Yeah. Um, and so um, this one is, and I did this one. What's unique about it is that I did not lead with the Bible. Yeah. And that's why I had to yeah. rewrite it. I le I'm leading with quantum physics. Yeah. To help you discover yeah, your I, destiny. I think that's I think that's what uh, struck me about the book actually that I found very interesting as well that it isn't it is leading with quantum physics and so people who come from a science background or people that come from um, other religions even or people who come from an astrology background can really have an understanding of it and and can really relate to it as well and see themselves in that book. So I think that it's. It's really an interesting book. And before we get really stuck into the details of the book, let's talk about how you discovered your destiny. And um, so how did this all start? And describe a little bit in detail about your early life and what that looked like. And were there any sort of indications or influences, you know, in your earlier years, where you grew up, how you grew up, um, that have contributed to this path that you found yourself on? Well, I grew up with a drug problem. Okay. okay. Every time the doors of the church opened, my parents drove me to church. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised in a fantastic family. I have two older brothers, both of whom are Bible teachers and uh, are just very fine men. Uh, and my my mom and my dad were great Christian believers. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, I got when I went to college at NC State. It's where I was introduced to E. W. Bullinger's book. But now, before I got introduced to E. W. Bullinger's book, I have a full blown testimony. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I got arrested, thrown in jail, doing drugs, chasing women, drug, sex, rock and roll, the whole thing. So. If you want a good gory testimony anytime, just dial me up. I can give it to you. But obviously, that seems like um, a dimension ago. But I, I got dis disillusioned and disenchanted with church because I really wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that's what I wanted, but I wanted something more than just going and sitting in a church pew and behaving myself, which I did not do well. Yeah. I started getting in trouble early on in school. I realized I was a leader and a troublemaker. But I'm not a troublemaker. I'm a reformer. <laughs> and that's what, that's what apostles do. And God made me to be uncomfortable with status quo. Yeah. So, um, but this, this led me into this understanding uh, or this quest of, astron of astronomy. But Claire, I pioneered probably 10 different subjects through the years and I've written books on them, uh, the Millennial Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book on perfect redemption, the seven ways Jesus bled my signature work. 
is Exercising Spiritual Authority, which is a book on actually the gifts of the Spirit. Mm. And the gifts of the Spirit give us our power, but we have to exercise our authority to use them. So, but I've done, I did a book on 40 days of communion in your home. I've written three books on spiritual warfare. One of them, the, the foundational one was entitled God Damn Satan. <laughs> and it really shook up the theological world when I did that and showed people that the word damn is not a cuss word, it's a curse word. <laughs> and I've had a wonderful, wonderful time with that. And I've written uh, books on angels yeah. in the army and yeah. how they function and flow with us. Uh, so I've done a lot of different pioneering stuff, but when I got into the astronomy thing, it, I, I know that I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. It's, it's, it, this is, um, and I want to, and I'm excited about it because I'm pioneering it and leaving it for other people to pick up the slack, you know, when I get promoted. Mm, yeah. I'm 71 years old, and I'm, I, I'm not looking to leave a legacy. I'm looking to leave some children, some spiritual kids mm-hmm. that, you know, that I equip. I haven't. I haven't worked to build a building. I don't, I'm not a church. I don't build church buildings. Yeah. I build the body yeah. of Christ and build individuals. So mm-hmm. there's a little background. Yeah, amazing. So you've always been a bit of a spiritual rebel. And I was going to ask you, um, I was going to ask you because in even in the realm of Christianity, it's not something that is is really sort of looked into because I mean I've always had this deep fascination with the heavens and the stars and you know I just knew that these belonged to God and that they were you know used for God's purposes and to guide us and direct us and and things like this and it was never sort of really encouraged in, um, you know, not necessarily just my family, but in the Christian community, I guess, that I grew up in and around. And, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about about that and about the history of, um, you know, studying the heavens. One thing I found really interesting in your books and your course is talking about the pre- um, biblical times before they had the word that this is their first witness um, in the heavens and how God spoke through the heavens and um, yeah speak to that a little bit I think well, that's really interesting Moses got was the first um, writer not the author mm-hmm. but he was the first writer of, of scripture and that was at 1500 BC well we're, we're, we calculate Adam was created about 4,000 BC. That means 2,500 years. There was no written scripture. What did they read? And another question is, could someone be saved before Moses came and the mm-hmm. scripture? And then actually, the Ten Commandments and the law that Moses got was given to a bunch of nomad Jews that was wandering around in the desert. It didn't do it. Who else did it apply to? And how were people judged to be found righteous before God? Because that's for 2,500 years. Um, There was no standard whereby, aside from you see where Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. But anyway, the heavens uh, were what people read. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a different thing than the way we look at it now. 
it was absolutely pivotal and focal and, and fundamental to the way they lived their lives. And um, you see, astrology, let me, let me go back to this, astrology and astronomy, um, there was no separation of them way back in early times. The astrologers were astronomers. Yeah. They really studied yeah. the heavens, they, and they weren't charlatans. They were the most noble people in the land, the Magi were. They were the most noble, they were highly respected, and, um, but the power of the heavens <clears throat> is so immense and so great that, it <clears throat> that people took it and used it for the wrong purposes. I mean, that's, the same thing's been true with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I've seen people abuse that power as well. So, um, but that's a little bit of the background behind that as well. Uh, yeah. But the star names that we have, uh, our, our researcher, his name is Pat Gleason. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pat is, is savant autistic. And uh, he's actually quite proud of it. And um, mm -hmm. he's of such a functioning uh, capability that, that he says that there's probably only... 10 or 12 people of his kind in the world at this time. Wow. And one of the reasons is, is because people that are savant autistic usually die early. Mm -hmm. But Pat has been privileged to live. I mean, this is, these are guys like Isaac Newton and Beethoven and yeah. uh, all these other yeah. Da Vinci and all these other guys, the brainiacs. Well, Pat, we wanted to, we enlisted Pass A to help us to write the mathematics of our computer program, and he did that. He did that. And we can locate any planet in the history of, in the history of mankind to within five meters of where it was in the heavens at any time. Mm -hmm. That's within five meters. Wow. That's what we're talking about, five meters, okay? Um, but anyway, we also, we've operated from the premise... <clears throat> that the star names are fundamental to understanding the constellations. And so we began trying to identify star names, and we used the standard of that the star names had to be at least 2,500 years old, and we had to have at least six astronomers agree on the same name. And when we first began, we only had 114 star names. But using that search criteria, um, we made some amazing discoveries, mm -hmm. but, but fundamentally what we have done is now we've been able to name 3,012 stars as opposed to 114. And to be able to do that, so you're talking about the science behind this, Pat had to learn, um, he already knew Hebrew, and he knew Latin, and he knew Greek, but he learned Coptic, which is Egyptian. He learned Sanskrit in, in, so he could read uh, the Indian language of the star names. And then he learned Sumerian, Claire, <laughs> the, the, the language that the ancient clay cylinders were written on that Zachariah Sitchin mm. translated. Well Pat, learned this, well, Pat learned that language. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. I actually, when I was doing some research on him for this episode, I, um, I read somewhere as well that like NASA now consults with, with him for, 
their research into the star names as well. So. Well, there's a planetoid that orbits between Mars and Jupiter. And uh, mm -hmm. it's very significant because there was a planet there at one time, and astronomers and astrophysicists know this, and they can see the debris field of where there's an explosion that took place, and the planet is missing, or it got disintegrated or got bumped away out of, out of its orbit. Mm -hmm. But that that's that the 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 largest of the asteroids. Um, NASA wanted to send a space probe to it, mm. but they couldn't, they, it, it kept moving on them. They didn't know why it moved on them, and the, the orbit of it was not mm -hmm. regular. Now, when you do, um, when you start pl plotting the movement of planets or comets or whatever, you use what's called an ephemeride. Mm -hmm. And it is basically, it's if you know where something is now and you know where it is later, and it's moving at a constant speed, then you can tell where it's going to be even later if it's moving in the same direction. But they couldn't get an ephemeride written, and, they, and the name of this little planetoid is Ceres, and it's not, but you can't, you have to see, use a telescope to see it. It's that small. But we wanted, NASA wanted to send a probe to it because there's a theory that that used to be the, where the Earth was, and they wanted to collect the samples of, of data off of it and so it's past Mars mm. it's on the other side of Mars yeah okay it's between Mars and Jupiter so but it kept moving on them and they couldn't figure out how and they had they couldn't do it because you can't spin the space probe up there if you don't know where it's going to be yeah and yeah. so there's there's been a number of computer programs that's been written uh, through the years to locate planets one of them is JPL Mm -hmm. Was Jet Propulsion Laboratory, laboratory. Mm -hmm. in uh, California, and then there's Novus, which is Naval Observatory Vectum System Optimization. I don't know what all, but but anyhow, there's a couple of them, and then uh, there's um, then there's Skyview, and there's Stellarium, and there's other guys that mm -hmm. put this data together. But I was researching Ceres, and I kept finding it in different constellations in different programs because they had different ephemerides, and it was moving. That's, this was a problem that NASA had. And I emailed Pat, and um, you can't talk to him because Pat's basically deaf. Mm -hmm. and he says that God made him that way, so the only thing he can hear is God's voice. Wow. He's, a, he's, wow. An, he's an amazing creation. Uh, but anyway, Pat... I told Pat about it, and Pat said, well, I'll get back to you on it. Well, Claire, he fell off the, the globe, you know, <laughs> um, and we didn't, see, we didn't hear from him for about three weeks, and then he finally emailed me back. He said, well, I got your answer to your problem. He said, but in the process, I've, I've, solved, I've solved this mystery that NASA had, that they had a team of doctors, of PhDs, working on this for three years. Yeah. And never figured it out, and he figured it out in three, three weeks. weeks. <laughs> and he said, because when it when so when Ceres in its orbit passes by Jupiter, Jupiter's so huge that the gravitational pull of Jupiter pulls it out of the orbit and slows it down. Uh, and so uh, then he factored the ephemeride, sent it to NASA, and he's he's a hero. <laughs> and, and and the uh, Dr. Faulkner. Uh, William Faulkner at NASA, who's the head of the ephemeride division, 
said, Pat, you solved a problem in three weeks that we had a team of PhDs couldn't solve it in three years. Amazing. So um, it really is. And, and you know, um, I have cried out to Jesus, uh, I've cried out to the Lord that I want to recover the glory of God out of the heavens. Mm. Day and today it utter speech. Not in tonight it shows knowledge. But you know, this is the thing about quantum physics and the law of observation. If it's not observed, it doesn't really manifest. Yeah. If we don't observe yeah. the glory of God, it's really not the glory of God. So, and I'm so I'm, I'm I'm really very committed to this, and and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to talk about it today. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And so, tell me, apart from E. W. Bullinger, have there been other any other major influences or sources of inspiration or mentors in your life? I mean, either in your personal life or public figures. Well, I think the best Bible teacher, aside from Jesus, I've ever been introduced to was Derek Prince. And I did not have a personal relationship with him, even though I met him. He left a deep imprint on my life. Mm -hmm. And um, Kenneth Hagin, likewise, but not as much as Derek Prince. But I was deeply influenced by Oral Roberts as a boy. Yeah. And I can remember my mom and my dad. My dad had a man that was working for him that had cancer. And my dad said, well, they're going to take him to Tulsa, Oklahoma to see Oral Roberts because if Oral Roberts can't heal him, he's going to die. And I, and I was a young boy when I heard my dad say that. And I thought, well, what does this guy have in Tulsa that I can't have here? Yeah. And I remember seeing him do Christmas specials and stuff. He's, got, he's a pioneer. Oral Roberts is the first person that ever broadcasted a TV program outside of a studio. First one. Wow. And he, wow. he, he, took, the, he took the revival on the road and yeah. broadcast mobile. Yeah. But his, his, his ministry of miracles really impacted me. And that's what inspired me to want to go more and do more than what I saw in the Methodist church where I was raised. Yeah. But he left a huge impact on me. Um, and I had another man that impacted me later on in my life, and his name was B.G. Leonard. And B.G. Leonard uh, really helped me a lot in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit mm. and showed me how to do miracles yeah. and do them consistently. Yeah. Do them consistently and how to, how, how to walk by revelation. Mm -hmm. How to see, hear, smell, taste, and touch revelation. So that was, that was really good. And I've had some other teachers. I had a, a man that really influenced me deeply in the early part of my ministry. His name was Victor Paul Wirrell. And he died early. And, um, but anyway, that, that was a portion of my life that I'm glad I had. And I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> and uh, I met my wife during those days, which has made anything worthwhile. Um, yeah. uh, but my dad could walk on water and not get his socks wet as far as examples and yeah. inspirations. Yeah. You know, and he was a very, very, uh, a man of great integrity and great honesty. He was, a. he wasn't really, really spiritually minded, but he was, he was morally minded. Mm. You know, he would, he would, he didn't talk about revelation and hearing from the Lord. And the Bible says this, or the Bible says this, but you know, he was a, a super great guy morally. Yeah. And as an example yeah. for me and for my brothers. 
Amazing. And so um, what's, what kind of resources would you recommend for people who uh, piqued their interest in Christological astronomy? I, I think your own books, personally, are a really great resource for this, or the best resource that I have found, actually. So let's talk about a couple of those, and then we can dig into Discover Your Destiny. You know, what I've done in my books is I've read a lot of other books and just combined <laughs> a lot of stuff together. Uh, but yeah. I think as far as getting a basic understanding of the heavens, I've done a little booklet. I've got a copy of it here. It's called The History and Truth of the Zodiac. Mm, yeah. And uh, This it, was one of the first things I read, actually. Right, and this, is the, this, is, um, this deals with the... Um, but I wrote this book so that uh, you could have the basic understanding of the 48 constellations yeah. and how the heavens are arranged and how they're interpreted and how they're read. So this is a very simple little book, and it gives you a great background history of how the heavens were perverted. Mm -hmm. um, I've got another book I've done on the Christology of the constellations that covers the Christology of all 48, and then my book on Christological astronomy, interpreting your birth skies, is the is uh, perhaps the more um, integral piece that I've done. So let's talk about um, discover discover your destiny. What can people expect from this book, and what can they expect to learn from this book? Well, as I was saying earlier, I did the book based largely are led with quantum physics mm. and and uh, and I substantiated it actually with the Bible in quantum physics there is um, a law that is called the law of observation mm. and um, simply stated and it, it baffles everybody nobody understands what it, how it works but they do a dual slit experiment where they pass a wavelength of, of electrons through two, two holes, through two slits. And if, it, if, it, if there's no observer on the back side of the slits, then that portion of the wavelength will travel through as a wavelength. But if there's an observer on the other side of it, then the wavelength collapses and manifests as particles. Mm. So here's what it says, and that is without an observer, matter, M-A-T-T, -T, matter would not exist. Mm. So theoretically, we as sentient beings, as spirits, okay, even, mm -hmm. um, we were drifting as a wavelength but because God observed us, and, you, and whoever the observer is has to be God. That's just by definition because they're the creator, mm -hmm. they're the observer, and without their observation, you would not have been created. So the law of observation is the law of creativity. And I, I tell you what, if you, if you Google search or DuckDuckGo search um, Dr. Quantum, he's a caricature. That is just absolutely exciting and a fantastic teacher. And uh, but if you'll if you'll do if you'll if you'll web search Doctor Quantum, mm. 
and the dual, dual, D-U-A-L, dual slit experiment, you'll see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so, so here's, here's the premise, okay? You had, you had to be observed or you wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. So whenever I wrote Discover Your Destiny, here's, the, here's what I, I connected these two pieces, okay? So <clears throat> that you exist means that you were observed. This is the logic of it, right? Yeah. Deductive yeah. logic, natural logic, human logic, that if you exist, you were observed, okay? So the next question is, what did the observer see when he observed you? Mm. And then that's where the answer comes out of the Bible. Because you know what it says? That God made us in his image. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. And so what does that mean? Well, that means when he saw you, he saw an image of himself. Yeah. That's what he observed about you. And then, furthermore, it says in Genesis chapter 1 in the Bible that he wrote down the significant events in the, in the heavens mm -hmm. with the lights, the signs, the seasons, and days and years. And so that tells us that the day and year that you were born is very, very significant. Yeah. And the signs in the heavens are very significant. And so would you say, because in our, in our purest form... We are, we are a ref reflection and image of God in our purest, most, most authentic form. That, that is our design and that is our reflection. So when you look at your birth sky and you see the relevant um, constellations and what those interpretations and meanings of those constellations are in terms of Christ's characteristics, would you say that then aligning to those is aligning to our most authentic nature and our, who we were really designed to be? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's the premise. That's the, that's the yeah. complete premise of it, that God has never, never leaves himself without a witness. Mm -hmm. Hey, if I was that cool and I had omniscience <laughs> and I was as cool as God, I would never leave myself without a witness either. <laughs> I mean, if he's that cool, and listen, it's really a simple matter of deduction. If there is a God, okay, hold on a second, mm -hmm. because then you get to the word destiny. And destiny, if you look up destiny in the dictionary, it'll tell you that a synonym for it is predestination. Mm -hmm. Destiny and predestination mean the same thing. Predestination is a spiritual word. But destiny is a physical word. Destiny is metaphysical, mm. and predestination is spiritual. But they're the same thing. Now listen to this now. This is logic again. What is destiny? Destiny means a place where you're supposed to be, or a time you're supposed to be there. Mm. In other words, a destiny includes a presupposition. Okay, so who, who are you called to be? Well, what, what were you called to be? What were you called to do? Well, that's... Those are the questions of destiny, and it presupposes that there's a, there's a destiny innate or somebody saw it. Mm -hmm. And that brings us right back again to this God guy, mm -hmm. this observer, this creator. Furthermore, listen to this. He, he, so Claire, he saw you, right? Mm -hmm. He observed you, right? And he observed me, right? And you're a woman, and I'm a man. Mm-hmm. So that means God is both. 
And we argue about the gender of God. God is both. What's the matter with you people? What's the matter with you? God's a woman. But God's a man. He's so much bigger than that, you ninny. Yeah. But so, so, but this is how he observes us yeah. and how he sees us. Yeah. Um, and he saw the reflection of Christ in you, mm. of who you could be in Christ. So your spiritual makeup, I call it your spiritual DNA, is the divine, divine nature attributes yeah. that God put within you, those abilities within you. So that's what I want to say about that. But the basis of the quantum physics is, is in the, the law of observation. So then the next question is, if you have an observer and he observed you, what did he see? Yeah. And he saw his image when he created you. And he wrote down what that image was according to the day and time. And now because we can do the computer replication, yeah, we can come yeah. back and just, and this is what my book is on Discover Your Destiny. Mm-hmm. It's the, the science behind this, <clears throat> and then I'm, there's tables in the back of the book mm. that's got the location of the planets on the first day of every month of from the years 1920 to 2040. So it's got a good, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of research and uh, work that went into these tables, but um, astrology tables are not accurate. They're always wrong. So as far as I know, the tables in the back of this book <clears throat> are the only accurate tables as far as location of the planets that I, that I know that exists, as far as written down in physical form. And one of the reasons that inspired me to do these tables is because I had a friend of mine that says, Dr. Dale, what's going to happen when we lose the power grid and you can't run your computer and find the location of these planets in someone's burst sky? So this is a dead science. I said, not yet. It, it's not. Because... Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we can figure yeah, this out. Amazing. And so in the meantime, while we still do have the power grid and the internet, people can go on to your website, lmci.org, is it? .org? Yes. And they can go to Christ Logical Astronomy and they can get their own level one reading of their birth sky and start to sort of dig into that and have an understanding of some of those um, constellations and what they mean for you. And I think, you know, with any of these kind of tools, I found that when I looked at my birth sky initially, it's always confirmation. It's always confirmation of something I already knew, but it was it was like confirmation in front of me that was like, yes, embrace this characteristic, embrace this quality. It's meant to be there. It's there on purpose. And um, so that's something that I really got out of your work, and I, I really loved it. And... Um, so let's talk about some of the things that are going on in the heavens over the next, um, well, the rest of this year, I guess. It's pretty um, exciting, I think. There's some really interesting things coming up. I think the 21st of December is we're getting a lot of talk with the Saturn and Jupiter conjunction. Jupiter and Saturn are our outermost planets that we can see with the naked eye. Hmm. And um, they, they appear, as they're moving, Saturn's farther away. So it, moves, it, 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 it appears to move slower 
to us than Jupiter because it's farther away and the circle's bigger. Mm -hmm. Remember the diameter of a circle is pi times the diameter is the circumference. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. the bigger the diameter, the bigger the circle and the longer it takes to go around it. So, but Jupiter, it takes Jupiter, uh, Jupiter stays in the same constellation for a year. So it takes Jupiter 12 years to go around the sun. Saturn stays in the same constellation for two years. They're very, they move very slowly. And so every 20 years, Jupiter catches Saturn and they pass by each other. This particular year, they're going to be so close. They have not been this closely aligned since the year 1260 A.D. That's how long it's been since they've been this closely aligned. You will not actually be able to tell that there are two planets there. They'll be that overlaid. Yeah. They'll, they'll just be yeah. over. It'll, it'll be. It'll, it'll look like one planet. Now the fact that that's happening on the winter solstice has yeah. got the astrologers all lit up and all sorts of junk being passed around on the internet about what this is. And this is the star of Bethlehem. And <laughs> No, the star of Bethlehem was the planet Jupiter. That's true. Yeah. But it was not in yeah. conjunction with Saturn. At the time. But it was At Jupiter is what we believe um, that the Magi were referring to. Uh, but you see here, here again, when you begin looking at these things, so they go, oh, God, well, Jupiter and Saturn are conjunctive. Okay, so what does that mean? Yeah. And this is what happens. Oh, my God, this is, did you see it? Well, yeah, well, what does it mean? Yeah. I mean, isn't there a lot more to it than just the excitement of looking at it? Well, what it means is that whenever you start interpreting things in the heavens, always look where the event is taking place in the sky. Yeah. And where, where Jupiter and Saturn will be when they align is in the constellation of Capricorn. Mm -hmm. In the very first portion of Capricorn, which relates to the dying goat. Mm -hmm. The sacrifice. So the sacrifice. what this is saying prophetically is there's going to be some sacrifices made during this time. And actually the heavens are telling us what we've been witnessing in our lockdowns and the coronavirus mm -hmm. and, the, mm -hmm. and, the, and the political upheavals that's going on in the United States. And there was another, so Claire, you asked about this, there was another, um, these, but Jupiter and Saturn did a double retrograde. Mm -hmm. they, they, both, they, mm -hmm. they both stopped and backed up and then went forward again. And, and, and where they were doing this in the heavens, indicated the casting down of Satan. <clears throat> That's what it shows. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Revelation 12 says that Satan, when Satan is cast out of heaven, he comes to the earth, and his wrath is great because his time is short. That's what we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. That's what we're seeing, the wrath of the devil manifested. I think something else too about what's going on in the world. What's going on in the world right now? The Bible says that in the end times, the tares would be separated from the wheat. And what happens when the tares, you, the only way you can separate the wheat from the tares is wait for the tares to grow up because at the very end of the growth cycle, the tares will grow higher than the wheat stalk. Mm. Until that time, they're the same height and they look just like a, a, a stalk of wheat, 
But then at harvest time, it grows higher and it turns black. The tares do. And the way you do then is walk through the wheat field and clip off the tear, off the top. Yeah. And bundle them and burn them. Now what's happening in the world right now is we're seeing the tares in the world manifest. We're seeing evil people really show off who they really are. And, um, but there was a retrograde of Mars. Mars retrograded in Pisces, which showed yeah. the freeing of the bride. Um, people, I'm telling you, the people in this world are enslaved. We're enslaved by tyranny and by, by idiocy and by the media and by our government. Yeah. So um, I know the answer to this, and it, his name is Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, but he lives in us, and until he returns and establishes his kingdom, we're going to continue to do it here as best as best we can until he comes. Mm. And so to prepare for these kind of like astrological shifts, like on the 21st or whatever, how... How do we observe those? So when we sort of look at it, it's happening in Capricorn. This is going to be a date that is important. And so we can look at it in Capricorn, which is the goat, so we can prepare for sacrifice, um, things that we, you know, that we should be sacrificing in our own life that we want to, you know, release and that doesn't align with us, that doesn't align with our destiny. And then on the other side is the, of the Capricorn is the fish, Oh, the tail. The tail of it's the fish. The tail of the fish. Yeah. yeah. But, the fish, yeah. but where these are, where this conjunction is taking place is in the part of the dying goat, not the living fish. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So then there's judgment, and then there's fresh life after that. Right. Right. New life afterwards, and that's good. That's good to remember that too, because they're both going to keep. They're both going to head that way. Um, you know, I was. Um, praying the other day and the Lord said to me the Apostle Paul received the revelation of the mystery from me mm. and he said and it said Paul said I didn't receive it of man neither was I taught it of man but by revelation of Jesus Christ and a lot of the stuff that I know in Christological astronomy came that way from the Lord and it had to be that way because it's, it look, it's been lost. Yeah. And and so why should we be surprised? Claire will say, you know why? You know there's there's so little knowledge of this. Well, listen, it wasn't even known in Jesus's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that actually. Know the heavens in Jesus's time. Yeah, this is actually something that stood out to me. They had the last time they had any knowledge of the heavens was the Babylonian captivity. And Daniel took the knowledge to Babylon and to Persia and deposited it there because whenever they were recollected together after the Babylonian captivity, all the knowledge of the heavens was gone. The Jews didn't have a clue. They didn't have a clue. Yeah, and this is something that stood out to me in one of your lectures. I think it was, it might have been on one of your YouTube videos, actually. Um, when we talk, of, speaking of following this, the star and finding Jesus, the wise man, I found this a really interesting point that 
you know, the, the loss of the interpretation of the heavens was missing, was left behind after they were more focused on the word after the time of Moses. And so when it came to seeing the Messiah, the star for the Messiah, it was the wise men, the magi, that were foreigners. It wasn't the, the people. They missed the Messiah. They missed the star of the Messiah. And so that's why I ask you about these kind of different dates and different phenomena, because I think we should be aware of them because we've missed it before. And we think we know everything in an intellectual sort of space, whereas, you know, we're ignoring that we should be careful to not ignore the first witness in the heavens, you know, so that we don't miss things. Understood. Understood. Well, it's, uh, I think that the theft of the knowledge of the Word of God in the heavens is the greatest theft in the history of mankind. It stole all of God's glory out of the heavens. And, you know, it, it doesn't really, it didn't really begin with the Jews losing it after the Babylonian captivity. The perversion of it started with the Nephilim. Mm. And, and, then, and then Nimrod, oh my gosh, Nimrod butchered it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nimrod was the real father of Babylon mystery religion. And, um, I mean, he changed a lot of the stuff in the heavens. Uh, by the way, I have a, my new book. I, I finished my first draft on my new book. It's called Abraham. Mm. And I wrote a biography of Abraham that I learned from reading <clears throat> apocryphal books. The Bible nor the Quran picks up Abraham's life till he's 75 years old. Yeah. But what happened to him in the first 75 in the first 75 years of his life was fundamental to him becoming who he was, but Abraham was a fantastic astronomer. And what most people miss because of this is they don't realize that Abraham was raised by none less than Noah and Shem. Abraham was lived with Noah and Shem for 40 years from the time he was 10 years old till he was 49, almost 50. When he went back to Ur Chaldees, and at Ur Chaldees, when he went back there, he had a confrontation with Nimrod. Again, people don't know this, but Nimrod threw Abraham in a fiery furnace. And Abraham didn't burn up. Like Daniel, he was the forerunner of Daniel. And whenever Abraham didn't burn up, it, it caused a major, major shaking in Nimrod's kingdom. Anyway, I said all that to say this. Abraham learned astronomy from Noah, and Noah learned it from Enoch. Enoch was Noah's grandfather. And so he, he taught Noah <clears throat> the heavens, and, 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 and they knew it. But then Abraham was the one that took the knowledge of God from the other side of the flood that he got from Noah and then made it available to the Jews on the other side of the flood. It's a fantastic study about Abraham. So, uh, but Abraham was a great astronomer as well. Very, 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 very pivotal in, pre- in preserving that knowledge. It says that in the book of Josephus, that when Abraham went to Egypt, he straightened them out on their astrology versus astronomy. He corrected them uh, because he had read Enoch's books. It's a great lesson on Abraham. So, um, Look forward to that releasing. I mean, that was actually my next... Um, my next question, actually, was what is next for you and what projects are you working on? So you've answered that beautifully already with your next book coming out on Abraham. 
I'm in the process of editing that book, but I've also got another one that I've done the preliminary research on. I want to do a book on the gift of righteousness. Mm. Um, and I, I believe that the gift of righteousness is pivotal in every believer's life because the gift of righteousness cures our, our self-consciousness and our sin consciousness. And uh, so that's what I'm working on presently. Amazing. Um, to finish that and editing the Abraham book. And uh, like I said, this, this book here on Discover Your Destiny, it, it, yeah. it, it, I'm so happy that it's in the tank, that it's done. Because I just labored in prayer and over it. And we, I have a, <clears throat> my ministry, we have eight people on staff. Mm-hmm. And um, actually we have, and then we have a Pat who works with us. Um, and I also have some volunteer staff, but um, a lot of my staff is involved in, in, in publishing books. I have a proofreader and an editor and a rewriter. So um, that's a lot of what I do. Mm, fantastic. I do. Fantastic. And so give us one practical tip that you can leave our listeners with that they can implement today. Well, <clears throat> if you're talking about reading the heavens... <clears throat> That's uh, the most predominant sign that you people can recognize in the heavens is Orion. Mm-hmm. And Orion's got the three stars in a row. That's the belt of Orion. Well, if you see that, if whenever you see that, you're reminded that you have authority over Satan because the picture of Orion is that he's got a foot on a snake. And the heavens are very, very graphic about our authority and the power that we have, but it's very, very clear that there is a battle going on for us and the battle between good and evil. And, um, but just for example, that, or if you, if you see the Big Dipper, which is another very recognizable constellation, that always reminds you that you have eternal life, that you are the elect and the called of God. So those are practical things. Now, when you go on our website and um, look at your birth sky, when you register on our website, you can do a free level one of our program. Uh, That'll tell you how you're supposed to think about yourself. And that, to me, is the most practical thing out of Christological astronomy. And, you know, I heard one time many years ago A guy said, the reason I believe the Bible is the Word of God is the Bible is the only book that ever explained me to me. Well, that's what the heavens do. The heavens explain you to you. They tell you why you are the way you are. Because that's the way God made you. So, that's it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's interesting that Orion's Belt is symbolic of um, your authority over the enemy or over the devil or over the darkness. And I think even sometimes, you know, that is a very real war even within yourself, you know, that, you know, due to the darkness even just within yourself. So I think that that's um, a really practical way of applying that. But I definitely encourage people as well to go onto the website and go and download their own Christological Astronomy profile because it is very different to 
um, any time any type of astrological uh, profile that you you will have done before. So it's it's completely different to that. And um, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that's on your heart to really share that you would like to share? No, I think this has been very thorough. I've enjoyed this um, tremendously. And um, I would just encourage all of you um, to um, prayerfully consider the things that we've talked about today. Uh, this is not just head knowledge. This is, this is heart knowledge. Yeah. And I like to tell people that if you ever sit on the side of a hill and the heavens begin witnessing to you of the immensity of God, but of the specificity of of you and you're wondering about your purpose, what I'm endeavoring to do is help you understand that language. And it's not like an astrologer where you got to keep going back day after day. No, 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 no. This is a one-time deal. The way God saw you whenever he created you, and this is your destiny and who he wants you to grow into becoming. So um, I think, myself personally, it's the most valuable knowledge I've ever received on the other side of salvation because... Uh, it just de- gives you the blueprint of who God has called you to be, and thereby you can begin building. Amazing, amazing. And not having, amazing. you know, I'm, I'm philosophically, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, my my doctorate is in religious education, and I'm deeply concerned about our educational processes. That all we do is we've adopted the the theories of education from the world, and we're developing co- cookie cutting. Christians, that they all get the same education, they all take the same classes, and they're all supposed to look the same way. But that's not the way life is. There's unity and diversity. So that's what the beauty of the body of Christ is. So that's what I want to say about that. I'm thankful for the opportunities to have said it. Beautiful, beautiful. Before I let you go, where can our listeners find out um, about you, more about you, your YouTube channel, do you have a Facebook page and your website and people can reach out to your team I think if they have any questions. Right. I don't use Facebook a whole lot. Um, I do have a Facebook account but I, I don't use it a lot unless I travel overseas and communicate back to our supporters in America through it. Um, <clears throat> my website is lmci.org and it has an about me, if you want to know about me, but a uh, um, page on it. And it gives you a little history of the background of our ministry. Uh, and, um, but I have a, our, our website is, is mammoth. It's huge. And yeah. the, guy that, the guy that's been the team leader in our astronomy program is also my webmaster. And he really is one of the people that was fundamental in starting the Internet. And uh, <clears throat> have a great website. I got 25 years of biblical resource materials on the website. Please go to it and check it out. LMCI.org. I do have. I've got two YouTube channels. I've got one that's entitled Liberating Ministries, and it has all my classes on it. I I put all my classes on the YouTube thing, so you can have them. And I did it so, I really did it for the people in India and Africa that I ministered to. Um, but anyhow, and I've also got Christological Astronomy YouTube channel. And that's my research that I've done out of the heavens and it's specifically dedicated to that. So um, you check out our website, you'll see the Christological Astronomy section. It's got all the star names and everything. It's, 
The Christological Astronomy section of our website is a, is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. And I, I didn't build it. I mean, I'm just, I just watched these guys build it and put it on our website. Yeah, there's a huge uh, amount of resource on there. Very much, very much. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Dale. It's been a pleasure. It's always fascinating catching up with you. And um, I hope you're well over there in the U.S. and have a, a wonderful Wednesday. <laughs> We're working on it. And I'm so thankful for you, Claire. Thank you for the opportunity. And God bless all of you. Thank you for allowing me to speak into your hearts and minds and share the things that God's given me to learn, to know, and to teach. Thank you. Amazing. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some things to take away from our amazing guests' insight. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And for more information on the Hadassah Collective, you can visit our Instagram page at Hadassah Collective. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode at the same time next week. And until then, have a wonderful week.